Joining us for further analysis from what's playing itself out in that market scene is Kwebas Porhita from Southern Cross Capital. Kwebas, always a pleasure and a good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me, Nola Tandu. All right, green screens-ish on midday trade. It's been two days of red, I think, uh, Monday and Tuesday, Kwebas. What has been driving our local boss over the course of this week to date? Some of it knee-jerk, um, you know, the same traders who were buying into the uh, significant rally quite aggressively uh, called the, the yesterday sell-off in particular, you know, uh, anticipated. Um, but the market is still up markedly versus versus about a week ago. All of this, as we've discussed off-air, around uh, expectations around the Fed moderating moderating hikes hopefully off the back of the expectation that inflation is moderating, as well as the midterm budget speech, which was reasonably um, positively received uh, by the bond markets. Um, and of course, um, therefore supporting supporting the czar as well. Um, and off, after that quite aggressive sell-off yesterday, locally, um, I think we ran ahead of the rest of the world a little bit. The US was still reasonably robust overnight. Asia down a little bit, um, and now we're seeing sort of a mixed bag across our screens. But given that we took so much pain yesterday, a little bit of green, as you mentioned. I was asking about the issue of the U.S. Fed this week. It feels like we're constantly on Fed watch. What could the Fed possibly say that is new or different at this point, Quavis? I don't know. Uh, it's it's quite bipolar, um, you know. They, they've indicated that they may stop hiking. And to some extent, that narrative has been communicated a lot over the last six months, you know, where um, uh, particularly the governor from, from Atlanta and, of course, uh, Jerome Powell himself saying that, uh, uh, you know, these effects take time and we've hiked reasonably aggressively and, uh, you know, maybe we need to, we need to give give them time to uh, to cool the economy. And now, six months ago, rates were already quite high, and we are certainly seeing a bit of that. Um, and I think the Fed may be comfortable with, with, uh, with halting hikes at this stage, assuming the data remains supportive. We're seeing oil coming off the highs. Yeah. It's on a, what, a four-week low or something. So uh, um, all of that reasonably supportive. But now, in anticipation of tomorrow's job numbers, suddenly the market you know, refocuses on on something real, you know, something objectively measurable. Um, and this resilient job market in the US has been has been a major concern um, around 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 monetary policy. You know, uh, counterintuitively, we we're looking for for a bit of cooling so that the uh, the cost of capital can can continue to come down over time. I've seen some analysts uh, say that, you know, they're pretty insistent that the U.S. economy has to go into some form of recession uh, in order for there to be sustained inflation control. I'm keen to get your perspective on this one. It's possible that uh, the jobs market could cool without a recession in the U.S. Well, despite analysts saying that the, the curves are pricing less than a 50 percent chance of that happening, you know, um, uh, the market seems to think that the so-called soft landing, where inflation cools without us quite slipping into recession, is more likely. Traditionally, this hasn't been the case. We know the market tends to get ahead of itself. There's a long-term trend, and then it tends to overshoot and undershoot over time. So, uh, you know, having studied in the early 2000s, 
<laughs> my instinct is going to be yes we have to go into recession um to tame uh, to tame inflation but uh, yes that's my that's my view ultimately but the the american economy has been incredibly robust again off the back of unprecedented fiscal and monetary stimulus so uh, there has to be some kind of a comeback so i'm in that camp which at this stage is priced at a less than 40 percent um uh, probability which is a slight recession can you also get your thoughts on oil? Uh, you said that it's at four-week lows. I actually saw uh, Saudi Aramco came in with uh, making, I think, less earnings than anticipated there. What is happening with that oil market? And this is all on the back of China and demand or just globally uh, the macroeconomic environment? So we saw essentially um, supply running lows, of course, uh, unlike ourselves, a lot of countries run strategic reserves, um, which are meant to cushion and be utilized when uh, um, when prices are high you know so we'll utilize the strategic reserves when when uh, when oil is elevated so that was uh, two weeks ago and uh, despite that and the strategic reserves having to be replenished and then quite importantly the uh, um, the threat around the middle eastern war and a and a an escalating Middle Eastern war. Maybe some of us just opened up our maps and saw how far Iran really is from Israel. Um, <laughs> um, uh, beyond the proxy war, which could escalate, but ultimately, you know, I, I don't, I don't see any additional state players becoming directly involved. And the mitigated impact of that has been, of course, um, an overhang on oil post post the rally off the back of the uh, the Hamas attacks, and. Uh, um, uh, you know, conversely, uh, China, uh, where we are starting to see, uh, despite shrinking exports, we're starting to see increasing numbers in the imports, which seems to be indicative of um, of rising demand locally, which in time should be supportive of the oil price, but for the moment simply hasn't reflected in the numbers or the volumes. So um, it's a pure it's a pure demand demand driven sell off at the moment, and there seems to be a bit less than was anticipated. I must also ask you, uh, we don't have much time left, but keen to get on your thoughts on WeWork uh, and what happened here. At some point, we were so excited about what would happen with uh, the company globally. I think we have a few here in South Africa. Something just went uh, sideways, uh, Corpus. What happened here? Right. Um, it was just another bubble. And this one was a COVID bubble. Um, you know, we we had the... we had. Bitcoin and we had COVID and to some extent I'm of the opinion that we're currently in the AI bubble and uh, um, if we want to chat later about the stock picks uh, from all of your commentators yesterday mm-hmm. which I looked at all of them were, uh, were were sort of value propositions that had not participated in this somewhat irrational AI ready mm-hmm. and they're picking them perhaps because they they they, they display that relative value mm-hmm. they haven't participated in the likes of Nvidia and AMD's enormous performance over the last over the last few months so WeWork was perhaps the ultimate example of a hype stock uh, they attracted enormous amounts of capital and ultimately there was no way they were ever going to turn a profit I don't think the the business model was uh, was inherently flawed mm-hmm. not at all but. Uh, the thesis around the level of demand uh, was completely out of whack and mismanaged, and ultimately, um, this is this is this is what became what it came down to, and uh, it's it's just another. It's probably the highest profile name in in a space that 
through COVID, uh, quite a few of these bubbles popped. The other significant one, of course, being Peloton, which still exists on a, on a, on a far reduced scale. But I believe you'll find you also lost 95% of your value there. Uh, but in WeWork, I suppose you lost 100% of your value, which is, which is, which is even more severe. And it demonstrates that even when a, uh, a, something with a decent business model is scaled inappropriately and not managed well, it can end up as a failure. And part of the reason for that is um, WeWork perhaps demonstrated the business model is feasible, but the barriers to entry to that business model is very, very low. And ultimately, the valuations were not sustainable. And all of this all of this capital being raised was being inappropriately deployed. And they were overpaying for assets. And, and that's led to the situation we are in now, perhaps partially because of this high inflation, um, high interest rate environment. Well, let's actually look at those stock picks that you mentioned uh, that were mentioned by your industry peers yesterday. Uh, I chose Visa. Um, I think it's a very, very high quality business. Share price has done pretty much nothing over the last three years. Trading in a multiple similar to the market, but I think a much better quality relative to the market. So I think Visa is a, a quite a nice, safe-ish spot to go into. I'm still a big fan of Anglo-American uh, PLC. Um, I mean, given what's happening with the commodity complex, it seems a strange choice. But I think that uh, I'm looking uh, in the medium and longer term. Uh, the company's pretty diversified. Um, you know, it's got precious metals, it's got diamonds, but it's got copper as well. Copper is going to be very important in the green revolution um, and uh, trillions of dollars will have to be uh, pumped in to, um, you know, move the world towards uh, uh, green electricity and things like that. So I think, uh, we, you know, copper over the next five, ten years will, um, the price will move up quite considerably. Anglo is very big in, in copper as well. And then, of course, they've got iron ore and you've seen the iron ore price Despite what's happening in China, the iron ore price is not telling you that. It's telling you a different story that at some stage, the Chinese government have to give in. And if they're looking at this 5% growth, they will have to stimulate the economy. And recently, as I said, they've announced a $137 billion program that will focus on you know infrastructure and rebuilding areas that were hit by the floods. And I think that over time, with the combination of the green revolution and over time, as the world comes out of its funk and as the Americans, whether they're going to recession or not, but if they get a slow, um, you know, if they get a, a soft landing and as the world moves past the era of uh, this volatility that has been brought about by the massive rise in interest rates, then I think the commodity complex will improve and Anglo will be a big beneficiary of that. You know, they trade uh, at a reasonable valuation, 3.8 times EB to EBITDA. They've got a 5% uh, dividend yield and about a 6% cap free cash flow. So all in all, uh, I like Anglo very much. I'm liking Advi. It's a large pharmaceutical company listed in the U.S., unbundled i think it was roughly seven years ago out of abbott and their claim to fame is the drug umira umira is the best-selling drug ever it's a immunology drug uh, but the bad news is it's coming to the end of its patent life uh, advi have therefore the last few years made a lot of acquisitions bought other drugs and also bought um effectively botox so they've got a selection of drugs to take over from Umira that will probably shrink in terms of profitability 
very soon. But this other collection of drugs in kidney disease and, uh, like I say, Botox as well, yeah. uh, will uh, mean that AbbVie can hopefully still grow their profits. And at the starting valuation, it means that I see value in AbbVie shares. Right, I was keen to get your thoughts on some of those counters, Visa, Anglo-American and AbbVie. I think we've got about a minute left, so quickly, quickly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll start with AbbVie mm. and Visa, just broadly speaking, high quality names. Visa in particular, that's the real blue chip. Traditionally, been a star performer. Um, it is expensive at a PE of 25, but given the quality it is, I think it's one of those. It's almost like any value, any value fund manager in the South African context will have British American tobacco as the first stock he buys when he launches a new fund. In the US, that stock is in all likelihood Visa. Um, they've got some decent growth, pro- growth prospects. And of course, we've got the, the whole digitization of, 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 of exchange. That trend is continuing. And unlike the blockchain, Visa and MasterCard seem to have been the major beneficiaries of this trend. So, uh, so that's a real quality name. At the, that's, uh, that's quite a bit cheaper. That's yielding over four and a half percent in USD. So certainly quite a bit of value. Uh, trust John Pierre to come up with something quite esoteric, um, uh, for me to have a look at, but, uh, um, but a decent, but a decent call with a nice basket, nice basket of stocks. And I think the risk around the uh, expiry of this patent is largely in the price and, uh, the value from here going forward, um, certainly looks, uh, looks on the upside. And both of these stocks have underperformed of late, um, relative to again, these, frothy, bubbly AI stocks. I think uh, the market consensus on all three of these stocks, in fact, I couldn't find a single sell rating on any of these, on, on all three of these stocks. They are laggards, um, in particular Anglos. Uh, getting to Anglo, not the same quality, going through an incredibly intensive uh, CapEx program at the moment. That's something that does need to be discussed. So they are investing for the future, which is costly, which will come at the cost of earnings, but at the same time, so beaten down. And if you are into this China thesis, in addition to the re-energization and the move towards EV, they are well positioned. Um, to produce uh, the materials required for that, in addition to, uh, to producing the, the somewhat more evil um, commodities in the form of diamonds and uh, uh, coal. But, uh, you know, that's a diversified basket of uh, commodities, I guess, to have exposure to. And this entry point is quite cheap, as I've mentioned. And which account are you going with this afternoon, Quavis? Mine is Bell Equipment. Um, it's one I have called before. Um, and, uh, they came with a trading uh, statement saying that headline earnings, uh, for the full year is expected to increase between 57 and 59%. This is one of those post COVID recovery stocks, um, that has really, really, you know, taken a while to grind out. And I need to remind everyone it's trading at 2440 at the moment. And a year ago, the founders were trying to take it out at less than half of that price. So they saw the value. Um, obviously, the market rejected that uh, that offer. But uh, in the meantime, we've seen sustained direct buying. And that's despite getting a bit of a cash squeeze. They they are, um, you know, having, they've got such a massive pipeline. They're having to invest heavily in working capital, which means it's not as cash generative, which the market doesn't like. But as long as the, uh, as the growth is there, and they grow into this and they reinvest the cash into this very attractive, uh, very attractive pipeline. 
Um, and I suppose some of this is related to what we've mentioned, the, the, the heavy capex cycle that Anglia and the other miners are going through at the moment. That's very supportive for Bell. They are selling the equipment that these guys use. Um, and this is just one of those people say there are no, no, you know, small cap, um, penny stock type opportunities in the JSC anymore. They're still around. They're off here. Yeah. And this is a prime example of something that was incredibly cheap, showing incredibly, incredible value. And as it recovered, has, um, has done incredibly well for you. Well, Kobus, it's always a pleasure catching up with you. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. That was your Midday Markets Update with Kobus Porchita from Southern Cross Capital.